0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. This is a big mark of sorts. Episode number 150. There's confetti laying all (laughs) over the place around here. I am your, uh, <laughs> I am your host Nicholas Minix. Joining me as usual during the week is Eno Saris. Eno, how are you feeling today, especially compared to last week?
1: Oh, so much better. I'm almost done coughing, and uh, the, we're almost completed the move. I mean, we we finished the move. Thank God. We had to last Friday, but you know, I, I almost got in my kitchen and and. And uh, and living room back, which will change everything.
0: That is outstanding news. We're glad to hear. That. I think the listeners sh- should be glad to hear that too, because a more comfortable Eno is a more analytical and sounder analytical Eno,
1: or at least a more productive. I, I didn't <laughs> uh, I, I didn't quite meet my high standard in terms of productivity last year, last week, in terms of how many pieces I'd like to write and stuff like that, but. I'm back on the horse, and I have two pieces up already this week, and I'm going to the ballpark tonight, so everything's good.
0: Outstanding. Outstanding. We're looking forward to hearing what you have to to, uh, say. Once you return from your visit with the A's and Rays, and uh, without further ado, I think we should jump into some things that are particularly exciting, uh, at least a little bit to me. Uh, Perhaps I have overrated his talents a little bit, but Javier Baez, the Cubs calling him up. I think there was some some question as to whether this was going to happen um, any sooner than this. Uh, and now it's uh, – I, I think I'm still a little surprised that they have done it so soon. But, I mean, it was. I think it was going to happen in the month of August, well, well before September call-ups. Exciting player, big power, that's legit. Really, really slow start. Slow is just almost stop start uh, this season to the season. And then he comes, uh, he's gotten his lineup at 260, 323, 510. He has 23 home runs. He had 20 home runs last year in, uh, well, 37 total uh, in his 577 plate appearances, but 20 in 240 plate appearances at the AA level. Legit power. Can also run a little. Uh, seems like a pretty good chance to hit 20 stolen bases total for the season, although it's going to be interesting to see how often he runs now that he's with the parent club. Uh this is a guy the fantasy owners should jump on right away. At least in shallow leagues, I guess, because in deep leagues he, people should want him, no question.
1: Yeah, I mean it's 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 tough because he's got that really bad strikeout rate, so he's gonna probably have a bad um he's probably gonna have a bad batting average. And, you know, that was one thing I sort of focused on when I compared him to young Geravus who will probably hit twenty or thirty points higher um and hit fewer home runs and won't steal any bases. So um, you know, there's always the 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 hope that Baez comes up and makes enough contact um that he can show the, his power and speed um play every day and uh and you know and and be what we hope him to be. Um, you know I have a couple thoughts on that. You know, in terms of bust rate, we always talk about that. Um, You know, uh, Chris St. John does some great work, and he used to only do it based on strikeouts and walks, but he actually rejiggered it um, and called it a Javier uh, after (laughs) Javier Baez and added isolated slugging in there um, because there were plenty of guys who struck out too much but had a lot of power that didn't bust. So... Uh, by adding in uh, strikeout rate, he 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 made his correlation stronger. Um, by adding in uh, isolated slugging, he he made his correlation stronger. Um, and with that new uh, new system called Javier, named after Javier Baez, Javier Baez only has a 65 percent bust rate. So um, you know, even though he 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 changed it up to give Baez more credit um he, he still has a really high bust rate but you know with the strikeouts and the power and the speed comes a very high ceiling and that's what people are, are going to go for here is, is is pick him up for a ceiling and if you do want a piece of good news i just ran his game logs uh from the middle of june june 15th until his call-up and um his strikeout rate dropped a little bit he had a 50 strikeouts and 205 plate appearances, which is a little bit less than a 25% uh, strikeout rate. So, um,
0: and he, and he's, he, at, he's uh, at 30 for the season. So, obviously, he's made some he's progress. 30, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So, he made some progress. And uh, 20, if he can strike out at, you know, say 25% in the major leagues, um, then you might even be able to get like a 250 average or something. It's because his average, his projected average, is around 220 right now. Uh, because he's expected to strike out around 30% of the time. Uh, but if he can get that down to about 25% like he has recently, um, then you know uh, he could maybe have a 250 batting average and um, you know it, you always want to see walk rate in terms of real baseball uh, but it's not really that well correlated with uh, most hitting stats. So other than, like, the obvious ones, like, on-base percentage, yes, walk rate is correlated with on-base percentage. <laughs> <It's stronger. laughs> uh, but um, in terms of, like, correlating it with power or productivity uh, beyond uh, just actually the walks themselves, um, it, it, it is not as meaningful as, as you think. So um, if he can strike out around 25 26% of the time, you know, hit 250, even with a 300 on-base percentage... Um, you know, he's going to have enough power probably, uh, to stick in the major leagues. Um, and, um, and we'll see, we'll see where he plays and, and, and how he's going to stick how good his glove is going to be at the new position. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for a home run swing, um, there's going to be a little better than this.
0: Yeah. I want everyone to keep in mind that Eno's uh, evaluation here could be a little biased, because Baez, uh, well, he's not playing directly as a result of this, but uh, in effect, there is a bit of an indirect replacement here for Darwin Barney on the roster. And Eno <laughs> loved Darwin Barney. But anyway, no, seriously, I mean, I, I, I've I, probably been a, a overly impartial toward him, but I mean, I, I, I love the... I love the talent. I mean, I, I don't usually like guys who strike out a lot. I feel like he's one of those guys who will hit for a little better average than than the bucket says. What I, but, I, yeah, the average is still going to be greatly at risk. Um, and uh, just as you were referring to, Baez, is, uh, his isolated uh, power numbers in the past, let's see, three seasons, basically uh, at, at the – At the A-level, 263 and 213 uh, in uh, 2012 at two different uh, A-levels. And then at uh, 2013, uh, advanced A ball, he had a 261 ISO. And then last season at AA, he had a 344 ISO. Uh, This season with the AAA uh, uh, Iowa Cubs, uh, he has produced a 250 ISO. So that is is pretty good. But –
1: I don't I don't I don't use this number very often but the weighted runs created plus in this case are, are a little bit illuminating um, the the best year was uh, was definitely that AA with the 344 ISO that's obvious but if you' if you think the 250 ISO was not much of a step back uh, from that it, it was a little bit more than it appears to be because that A, those AAA numbers are in the PCL mm-hmm um, so if you look at the way he runs Created Plus, you see that he was actually only, he wasn't even 10% better than the regular PCL line um, with a 260 uh, batting average, 323 on base percentage and a 250 ISO. So, um, you know, as as exciting as those numbers look, you have to remember the context, there with PCL. Um, and uh, I did notice that uh, Bradley Woodrum did some rough research where he just tried to look at past PCL players and how they did in the major leagues their first year. Um, and, and Bradley, according to his research, which of course is fraught with all the, the, the issues that you, that you get when you try to um, translate uh, minor league stats into major league ones, um, but he, he predicted about an 85-weighted uh, runs created plus um, for Baez. But of course that's not a great number for fantasy because that includes all those walks he won't have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so you know you know if he he can have an 85 one rated ones created plus and still be a, a useful player. so um, today in a post, I, uh, I pointed out that um, you know other guys that profile like him um, with the, the way to run same graded crunch created plus around 85 to 90. Um uh, are guys like Chris Davis, Diane Visiedo, uh Jay Bruce and Ryan Howard. So uh it's not the greatest list in the world. Uh but if you were able to put one of those guys on your team for the stretch run, I think um I think you would.
0: Yeah, totally agreed. Especially if you could do it at a short uh, a guy who's eligible at shortstop as opposed to say first base, which are where a lot of those guys are eligible. Yeah. Um, and yeah. <clears throat> what's, what's a little encouraging about him is that his walk rate has risen throughout the minors, like as he's risen and he's risen quickly through the minors, they promoted him quickly. I guess that you could say that's encouraging. I'm not sure. Uh, there's probably some correlations here that I don't really, I'm not really aware of, but, uh, that's encouraging, but equally as discouraging is that the strikeout rate rose along, just, uh, rose just like the walk rates did for bias. So, I mean, there's, there's certain, there is a, there's a lot of uh, this could fall in the middle here somewhere uh, and this could be a really useful player. This could be a really uh, not useful player. Bias. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's and there's certainly the possibility that he, he earns a little third base eligibility or a little second base eligibility uh, because the Cubs have the options of moving him around the diamond and are probably not going to play him at shortstop. So it's it's, it's going to be interesting to see what his debut looks like and I think – uh, then how that affects what his draft value is, for instance, next season, uh, because whatever it is, if it's really, if he say he sucks for two months, people may be kind of down on him. If he tears it up, he's probably going to be incredibly overvalued next year.
1: Yeah, I'm actually rooting for him to suck it up a little bit so that I can, uh, you know, pick him in late rounds or try to get him in some dynasty leagues.
0: Yeah, my, my- because. Uh- yeah. No, go ahead. That's uh, 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 my, my just my thought was uh I'm I what, I'm kind of okay with whatever I like the player but I'm okay with whatever he does. I just hope it's kind of extreme one way or the other so that I can make an easy decision. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do like Baez, but you know we'll see. Uh, but and this is another interesting one because I I don't think he's going to get an opportunity to play right away. Uh, certainly not because he's called up to replace a bench player in Nate McLouth. But uh, the Nationals called up Steven Souza. I think this would be his major league debut. No, I'm sorry, he played he was up a little earlier this season. But it's a player we haven't really talked about, and I've I've gotten a couple of questions about him in chats. Uh, you know, does this guy have a position with the Nats long-term? There, I mean, he, the type of production that he has uh, been responsible for in the minor leagues says that the Nats would be a little crazy and not to at least give him a shot to win a job. I mean, he's an intriguing player. The strikeout rate, uh, also kind of high, like Baez's, uh, it has slowly improved a little bit here and there in the minor leagues. He also takes, he takes a walk. I mean, this is a guy who has a great ability to get on base, uh, overall, he's done it, and he and he has hit for high averages in the last couple of seasons in the minor leagues. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, a very interesting player, 25 years old. So that's something to keep in mind: is that the I mean, he really only gotten into the upper levels in the last couple of years. But Souza, I mean. Uh, Is this a player that intrigues you, at least in the long term? Uh, I mean, maybe he gets a little playing time in September, depending on what happens. I mean, Ryan Zimmerman is out, and, and, you know, say the Nats decide to rearrange the outfield a little bit again. They've always talked about changing things up a little bit here and there.
1: You know, the one thing that I know that I've kept in my head about Sousa for a while is that uh, I think it was a couple years ago. Let me see here. No, it was 2013. So last year when he was in the AFL, um, you know, Trackman. Uh, allows uh, TrackMan is actually in most parks, but they're proprietary to teams. So um, we don't get TrackMan data um, in most of the parks. But in the AFL, you do get TrackMan data because um, there's, the teams don't really own those parks. So um, there are some nice stats that come out of the AFL that you don't normally get, which is like spin rate, velocity off the bat, some stuff like that. And uh, in 2013, when he was playing in the, in the AFL, uh, he had the the highest exit velocity off his bat you know Ooh. in terms of in terms of how fast the ball was coming off his bat uh Saza was number one and i don't know if it if it held all season but um through two thirds of the season and into the uh, a f l all star game that was true so um I thought uh that was an intriguing sort of thing i you know On the negative side of the ledger are the uh, almost six years he spent getting to AA. (laughs) Um, He spent a long time getting there. And uh, that means that he was uh, a little bit old for some of his levels when he finally did do something. Um, And, you know, he's not without his flaws in terms of contact rate. Um, But, I mean, all that said, he finally put up one of his best contact rates um in in AAA this year um, and along with it came all the numbers you'd hope to see out of a 25 year old in AAA um you know so I, I think you know he's doing what he's supposed to do and i also understand why the projection system say he's going to strike out 30% of the time and have a 220 batting average but you know at the same time i think um, I, I might take the under on some of the strikeout rates um, i mean he had a 17 0.6% strikeout rate in AAA this year. That's not bad at all. Uh, it would be kind of surprising to see that turn into a 30% strikeout rate in the major leagues. So um, if he can strike out, you know, 22, 23, 24% of the time, have a 250 batting average, um, you know, have an above average uh, isolated power and steal some bases, you've got you've got your sort of 250, uh, prototypical 250, 15, 15 guy uh, with a little bit of upside and power beyond that, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess we're probably talking, I mean, he's, then he's kind of in the same bucket as a David Murphy or um, a Cole Calhoun. I mean, there's certainly, I think I haven't seen the splits. I'm assuming that there's got to be some potential risk here for a platoon. I mean, I think the floor on him is a, uh, well, it's hard to say that the floor on him is only this, but I mean, I think that there's a good chance he ends up as a, as, at least as a kind of a decent fourth outfielder. Uh, and that really only plays in AL only leagues, of course, but uh you have the opportunity for him to to earn more than that he 's on the wrong side of the platoon, but I think that there's there's enough up, up, upside there. I think the question is going to be for instance in washington next season uh Denard span I know is he 's up for it 'll be an option here it 's a very cheap buyout um and then it becomes a question of as has span made himself too expensive uh for them to, I'm not sure what the option number is, uh, but I mean, it, based on what he's he's produced this season, you would think that it would be an easy decision for Washington. And then maybe they give, you know, or to, they give an opportunity for those two to kind of platoon next year, and then Souza, hey, maybe he's ready to kind of take on a full time role. But then you're talking at that time, at that point, that he's a 27 year old player. There's really not any upside left. So it'll be interesting to see how it turns out for him. It seems like he should get a shot, but. Um, even if he does, it's not necessarily likely that uh, he's going to deliver much or have a, a huge opportunity to do it. Uh, a interesting player, I think, but um, uh, not everything is clear at the moment uh, as far as his path is concerned.
1: Yeah, it's, it's level and, and lack of pedigree or something that you have to, you know, uh, don't seem like such a big deal, but uh, can be. Um, I, I actually are. So in this case... As much as uh, his numbers are very sexy in the minor leagues, those are the sort of underlying question marks behind the numbers.
0: Yeah. Um, another player called up, and it's kind of a similar line. Uh, Kirk Newenheis, Newenheis, Farfik Nugan is called up by the Mets, and this is, I mean, he's been up for, before. Uh, he actually, I think, he opened the 2013 season on the opening day roster, or maybe it's was 2012, um, and he. He got a lot of playing time. Yeah, 2012. He got a lot of playing time. Hit seven home runs and four, uh, had four stolen bases and 314 plate appearances. And filled in a little bit last year. Um, but uh, I mean, the Mets have DFA'd Bobby Abreu. Uh, it's not certain that Newven Heise is going to get any time. But he's 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 kind of an interesting player. Is this is this a guy who's ever going to be anything more than a kind of reserve outfielder? I don't see I, I don't see anything any reason to be optimistic about that.
1: Captain Kirk is uh was was pretty nice the first time he came up but uh was a little bit of babbitt driven stuff and you know he's always struck out too much he's uh really a platoon guy he he's been really bad against lefties so uh you got a platoon guy that plays uh inconsistent defense i think in center field is not going to raise the level of a Ligaris, at least um and uh so i think that means um you know, that he could be a fourth outfielder, you know, he could take the place. Uh, I forget exactly. Actually, Chris Young, I think, is a right-hander, so he wouldn't take Chris Young's place. That's
0: what uh, I was going to ask. Do you you think he takes some at-bats? You know, I mean, Young is a right-handed hitter. Uh, He is... I know he hasn't, I mean, he's uh, kind of really not delivered quite the way they hoped um, because they thought, I mean, they, they really overhauled his swing and then he hasn't, uh, in terms of batted ball distribution, things like that, it hasn't really resulted in anything different and that's including production. Do you think that somebody, I mean, he has to be a guy who could be at risk of losing playing time, right?
1: Oh, I mean, they've been calling for it in, in New York for a long time and, uh, you know, it would be one thing if he was playing his customary good defense and, and taking more walks than, uh, than he is right now. I mean, right now he's basically league average in walks and strikeouts and power while having a terrible batting average on balls and play and not playing good defense. So, um, I, it, you know, I, I don't think it was a bad signing. I mean, for $7.5 million for a year— if he had recovered some of his old mojo, I think uh, he was obviously a guy that at some point had a lot of power and speed and was a great defender. So, you know, along with some patience. So, um, I I don't know why you know he's cut his strikeout rate down to the best of his career, um, and swinging strike is the second best of his career, and he's still got league average power, but it's totally tanked his. Um, uh, line drive rate and his and his, uh, bat, and correspondingly his batting average on balls in play. So, uh, I mean, I'm not really holding out too much hope for him. Uh, people have been calling for him to, to lose his job for a long time. I think what will probably happen here is that he he get, becomes a versus lefties platoon guy. And Kirk actually, Captain Kirk actually does steal playing time from him um, in in terms of the more strict type of platoon. Um, I mean, you know, the, the Bobby Abreu uh, idea was, was. Uh, I mean, Fun. I love Bobby Abreu. <laughs> if if, it, if the Mets were good and they got Bobby Abreu just to sort of DH and take some walks, then I would have loved it. But this is not that type of team to me. They need uh, to see who can be helpful for the future. So I think the Bobby Abreu experiment was uh, a little bit of a bad idea. The future is Ligaris. Granderson and somebody in left field and you know I think it'll end up being some sort of Eric Young um Eric Young uh you know, Kirk Newman's um situation where um Chris Young gets some DHing against AL games and against uh, lefties and um pinch hitting against lefties and and basically finds his way out of the lineup pretty soon.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> Another player who Sort of got his walking papers from Boston. He asked, he requested a trade, and we talked. We talked about that before. Well, now uh, he becomes Texas Rangers first baseman of flavor of the week, Mike Carp. Uh, he is the latest guy to fill in at the position, and seems pretty likely seems like a good chance that he could finish the season for them as their regular first baseman and that that certainly has value. I mean, this is a guy who was really finding it hard to, to make his way to any fantasy value this season and part of it was performance related. Nothing like his last season when he had uh, nearly 2 uh, well, nearly 250 plate appearances and had a 296 362 523 line. Uh, this year 193 321 273. Uh anything I mean, He's he's spent at least one stretch on the disabled list this year. I mean, obviously health has been a factor. Uh, it's been harder to find at bats. Still seems like a guy to me who could who could find his way into. I'm hesitant to say uh, 50, maybe like 18 team mixed league value for those of you who play in, in leagues that deep. But otherwise, I mean, it still still looks like an AL only commodity. Yeah. But uh, is there you know any reason to think it's not even that?
1: I don't know. I mean, if you look at his career line, it's, it's better than I think a lot of people would have hoped out of him. Uh, you know, uh, 260 batting average, um, above average walks. The strikeouts were always supposed to be there. So uh, above average power, um, definitely a platoon guy. Uh, looks like he's capable of uh, about 20 homers, um, uh, 20 homers in a, in a full in a full sort of platoon year. Uh, so two sixty twenty, you know where you have to. It has to be a daily lineup league where you can take them out uh, when they, when they face lefties because even even now in this situation, I think JPA uh, of all people is going to uh, is going to uh, to face lefties. So yeah, um, you know if you can afford to to take them out every day um, against lefties, then I think he can be useful. Um, I remember. I asked a long time ago in in, in an AFL um, situation. I asked the scout uh, what he thought of um, of Mike Carp because he was putting up good minor league numbers in the Mariners organization. Must have been 2011, and um, the the uh, the scout laughed at me. Uh, I remember pretty, pretty strongly that he laughed at me, and he thought, oh, this guy will never be a major leaguer. So, you know, a 1,000 plate appearances in. Uh, you know, he has two, two wins to his name over the course of uh, two seasons. So he's even an above-replacement uh, major leaguer, or, or, you know, maybe near-replacement. But, uh, but that sounds like a major leaguer to me. So I, I, I'm, uh, I'm happy for him. I, I hope this Texas experiment works out for him. Um, and I don't really see a reason to think that um, he's uh, completely kaput
0: right now. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And um, I think <clears throat> following in the footsteps of, or following following the Mike Carp path to usefulness, uh, close to it, or <laughs> or as we like maybe we like to refer to him as the left-handed Chris Carter is John Singleton. Uh, and, and lately, uh, Houston has has done a lot of work with with him to work on his shortening his swing, which we, uh, we certainly are aware uh, it could use some of that because uh, the strikeout rate has been phenomenal this season, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of above 30%. <clears throat> this month, he has not struck out in nine plate appearances. That, that, may, that, may, that may not seem like a lot, but at the same time, that is quite an accomplishment for Singleton. Uh, because it's rare that it seems that he goes through that uh, game without striking out. Um, a little bit of evidence. I mean, that it's worked. He also, he had an inside the park home run this past weekend. I mean, there's, we talked about this as being a player who, I mean, he had, he, he warrants interest because of the 25 home run power, especially in that ballpark. And he's on the good side of a platoon. If it ever uh, were to come to that situation and judging from the looks at the splits, it's probably going to, um, do do you see this as a? I mean, how how long do changes like this stick for players? Like, I mean, is this? I guess it varies quite a bit. But I, I view this as a thing where it's like, yeah, this is nice, but uh, maybe only because the player is so young, relatively speaking. Maybe there's some. I mean, these guys' swings always, you know. Does this, does this have any chance? I mean, are we looking at a player who could you know, use this as a kind of a, a springboard to eventually shorten the swing and, say, get under 30% regularly?
1: I think so. I mean, you know, there were there was... Uh, you Think about Brandon Bell. You know, Brandon Bell was a pitcher in in college primarily, and then he, when he got to the major leagues, they, or when he got drafted, they said, we, we think of you as a hitter. Um, and then he he's sort of Tore up the minor leagues. And then when he got to the major leagues, he started, you know, showing pitcher-like power again. <laughs> um, and a lot of people wrote him off and said, you know, this is who Brandon Belt is. He's never going to uh, hit 20 homers. Uh, he's just going to be an on-base guy, you know, JT Snow type. Uh, and, and that's 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 all he's going to be. Um, and then, you know, he, he made a much publicized grip change um, look, and looked to Dominic Brown, um uh, for inspiration actually called dominic brown and talked to him and don brown said yeah i changed my grip it, it only took a couple days uh you should try it and so he changed his grip and all of a sudden that opened up the inside he also stepped back in the box a little bit and that opened up the inside for him um and all of a sudden he started ripping pitches on the inside out of the ballpark and then it was like well now we've seen now brandon belt has 30 home run upside well, you know, he got a little happy on the inside and he's actually still doing that where he's still swinging a little bit too much on inside pitches. And uh, so pitchers are trying to trying to beat him on the inside and also trying to throw him soft stuff on the outside. And he's not going the other way like he used to because he'd open up the inside and he has all this power that he wants to play with. So uh, now now he's striking out a lot and he's looking a lot more like a traditional uh, slugging first baseman who's going to strike out a quarter of the time, have a 250 batting average, uh, but have a bunch of homers. So... And hopefully, Brandon belt will adjust one more time. He seemed to suggest to me that he would um, that, and then that he will start going the other way a little bit more uh, and then we might someday see the Brandon belt that hits two seventy five 280, does doesn't strike out too much, walks a ton and hits twenty five to thirty homers and that's that's everyone's goal. So I think you know it's nice to see John Singleton make that first uh, adjustment. He needs to make that adjustment and then you need to, he needs to make like ten more adjustments. Um, over the next, over the course of the next five, six years. So um, I think that's what makes hitting so hard, uh, is that even if he does figure this out and, and shortens up his swing, maybe the power goes down a little bit, but the, the strikeout rate goes down too. Uh, pitchers are going to try and find some way to exploit uh, whatever changes he's made. So um, I think in general, Singleton's probably going to strike out too much his whole career. Um, but he also made a lot of advancements in the minor leagues from time to time, and he didn't strike out 30% of the time at every stop. So, um, I think there's a certain possibility he could strike out, you know, 25 to 28% of the time and be a much more productive major leaguer. Um, I'm not, I'm not definitely not, uh, you know, giving up on him, uh, based on some batting average. It's nice to see 10 homers in 209 plate appearances, so. Uh, if he turns out to be the sort of left-handed complement to Chris Carter, uh, between the two of them, they might have a really nice player.
0: That is true. That is true. Although the, I mean, the Astros have shown <clears throat> that they, uh, yeah, first of all, yeah, the ten home runs this season has led to a two eleven or helped him to the two eleven ISO. In general, we know that he can hit the ball a pretty nice distance, and uh, yeah, they might have a pretty nice player. There. Houston doesn't seem entirely convinced that they're re- that they want to hold on to Carter, but uh, even if they could pair Say they pair Singleton with a player on the other side of that platoon, regardless. I mean, they they still end up with a pretty productive player at first base. Uh, it's going to be interesting yeah. to see. I, I do I do like his yeah I do like Singleton's chances to succeed at the major league level long term a little more than Carter's uh, for some of the reasons that you cited. Move to some other changes uh, around the the majors. Uh, Miami designates Justin Turner for assignment. They call it Brian Flynn. Doesn't sound like. Well, I think it's a possibility that Brian Flynn uh, fills in in the rotation. He hasn't made a start yet at the majors, uh, at the major league level, <clears throat> uh, and is is sort of a prospect uh, for the Marlins, but is not really kind of uh, you know, he's not doesn't have considered you know, quite the same kind of ceiling perhaps as a say, an Andrew Heaney, uh, who was sent down earlier. And I was, you know, saying, oh well, maybe this is kind of uh, they're creating the opening for Heaney to bring him back up. Since Heaney has been sent back down uh, just before the All Star break, he's posted in five starts uh, for Triple A New Orleans a five ninety six ERA. But uh, and 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 he has given up six home runs, and that was something that we talked about was that the for some reason he's suddenly giving up the home runs. He he started he he gave up uh, a home run, a home run, zero home runs, then two home runs, two home runs. Uh, and uh, the encouraging part is that the control has been good and the strikeout rate is is considerably high. He struck out seven, or I'm sorry, he, he walked seven and struck out only 26 in 22 and a, in two-thirds innings uh, in that stretch, but was bombed, and again, the home runs there, uh, I mean, that's discouraging because home runs were not a problem for him in the minor leagues really prior to that or uh, uh, prior to his, well, really his debut in the majors. I mean, my guess is that they're not going to move to Heaney uh, just yet simply because uh, I, maybe maybe it's just a home run production, but I think the, the Marlin strike me as a team that just looks at overall production a little more than some others do. But at the same time, I mean, it's also, just – Also,
1: they don't have to. I mean, yeah. they won't do it because they don't have to. There's no uh, there's nobody that's going to break down the door. There's no media uh, saying, why isn't Haney up? You know? I mean,
0: <laughs> that you know, is true. Nobody is holding them accountable. Except
1: No one's holding him accountable, but also just like, you know,
0: uh, except for a retirement home, there might be.
1: They don't have to. Uh, they don't have to push it for a guy who has a sixty RA in the minor leagues because they don't have to, you know, make him accrue more service time and make him more expensive in the major leagues if they can easily say, look, he obviously needs. He's obviously needs to work on some stuff. So. Um, you know, Haney uh, Flynn on the other side seems like a very uh, low ceiling guy that they can throw in there uh, if he gets expensive by you know turning in the league average uh, ERA or something and and eating up innings, then they can they can always sell him. Um, you know, I I don't want to look too much at the pitch type stuff because he's only thrown, you know thirty six changeups and ninety sliders, but in, in terms of you know. The, the way that you can try to um, look at a um, at a, a change up before um, you have a, a good enough sample to, to judge the the results uh, you can look at sort of the velocity difference and the and the horizontal and vertical movement um, i would say that looking at his change up it has the nice 10 mile an hour uh, difference that you want between the, and this four seamer Um, So that's good. The bad news is that it only drops about uh, an inch more than its four seamer and it drops less than a sinker. So uh, that's bad news because (laughs) you definitely want your changeup to drop more than your sinker. So I would say even though the results look okay on the changeup right now, I guess it's not a good changeup. And you're talking about your sort of basic, I mean, he throws a four-seam more than the sinker. It's a four-seam sinker slider uh, with a a curve that looks um, to be something less than a 12 to 6. But it it does go 75 miles an hour. So, I mean, he has some of the things you want. Um, Our our stats say that he's throwing about uh, 89 miles an hour. So uh, it's not a great uh, fastball. Uh, It's a representative slider, representative uh, curveball um and what looks like it might be a bad change up so i don't know i mean i I don't know the book is not closed on him but a guy who you know struck out six for nine in the in the in triple a and had a uh 1.54 whip is not really um somebody you need to go out and get i don't think
0: yeah i would agree with that and uh i think fan students might agree with it if you say the same thing about ubaldo jimenez (laughs) <laughs> who, uh, mm. who who appears to be ready to return from his disabled descent. We talked about this briefly over the weekend. Just He'd been on the DL with a sprained ankle, and uh, Baltimore had the opportunity to kind of push him back and, and delay his rehab and things like that, uh, and primarily seemed to be motivated by wanting to get an extended look at, at Kevin Gaussman and rotation. Uh, they continued to do that. Gaussman made a start last night uh, and uh, pitched – well enough for Baltimore to uh, achieve victory, at least uh, against Washington. Um, at this point, I mean, Jimenez is the most expensive pitcher on the roster, or at least he's the most expensive starting pitcher. Uh, but he is also the one, the only one of them without a, a, a rotation spot. Now, I mean, we talked about this, like, and, and Jason, not to point out that he is wrong so far, but. Said that yeah, it sounds like Gaussman's going to lose out, and I—I I mean, I kind of had to go along with that. I, it was uh, just you know based on that's just the way teams seem to operate. They you know, this guy's going to lose out. Uh, at least that's the way Baltimore's kind of done it too. Uh, but so far they're sticking with him and uh, and Miguel Gonzalez. I mean, how do you see this situation shaking out? I'm kind of—I mean, this is this is definitely saying to me, well, we're not ready to displace someone for Jimenez just yet, uh, and so he is kind of the sixth man on the totem pole. Uh, but also at the same time i think that means that gaussman uh, in fact is we are to be more encouraged now granted we don't think you know gaussman's kind of a borderline a mixed leaguer but uh you know this is this is an interesting situation i think to say the least
1: it is it is and what's also interesting about it is that uh, ubaldo's getting a better strikeout rate from a worse uh swinging strike rate um and i i'm, I'm still continue to be perplexed with uh, Gossman's peripherals and how they don't line up with um, his results. I mean, uh, he has a league average swinging strike rate, at least, and uh, so he should have closer to a league average strikeout rate. So I don't I don't get why his strikeout rate is so bad right now. Um, you know, he, he seems like he's he's pitching to contact on purpose. Why would you be pitching to contact if you had a 95-mile-an-hour heater um, and 2 changeups? You know, and apparently uh, he can he can actually grip the changeup in a way that it cuts, um, and he cuts on purpose. So I wonder, you know, if you can do that with your splitter, why don't you just uh, throw more splitters? I don't know if it's a health thing or if the if the team is telling him um, not to throw so many splitters because look what happened to Tanaka. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I guess it does make sense to throw the fastball seventy percent of the time if you have a ninety five mile an hour fastball, but. I don't know why it's not um, it's not turning into uh, more strikeouts or more ground balls for him. I mean, right now, its uh, he's got a below-average ground ball rate, an average walk rate, a below-average strikeout rate. It's hard, based on those things, to say that he deserves, he needs to hold on to his, his starting rotation spot. But then you look at all the strikeout rates in the minors and his actual stuff when you actually watch him pitch, and you're like, this guy's... Is- You know, an ace in the making. So, (laughs) I don't actually, uh, I don't begrudge them any of the decisions they make right now. I mean, they're trying to make it into the postseason. They're doing pretty well, Um, and uh, whatever decision they make uh, at this point makes uh, it it has to make sense for them. And can't blame them. (laughs) Yeah, you can't blame them. I mean, I mean, it's not like if if Gossman had like a ten ten strikeouts per nine, everything would be different. You know, then would be like, dude, this is totally obvious. You don't touch this guy, he's striking everybody out. Everything's great. But Gossman hasn't quite uh hasn't quite turned on that magic. So I mean if it was probably if it's my team, it's probably uh Miguel Gonzalez that gets the boot. Um he, and they've they've done that before. And I just think when I watch his stuff it's underwhelms me. Uh his his results aren't that great. Um even Ubaldo can beat a strikeout rate. So, um, I'd watch uh, Miguel Gonzalez and see what happens as the next start. I think he's probably on one of the hotter seats in that rotation.
0: Yeah, I think that makes it. It makes a lot more sense now that they haven't made this commitment. That it's like they're waiting for someone to falter. It seems likelier to be, yeah. still seems likelier to be Gonzalez if they are to go go in that direction. Uh, this is somebody I wanted to talk to you a bit. We've we've talked about Brandon McCarthy on a couple of occasions. Uh, you've written a, you've written one or two articles, or a couple of articles about, about him this this year alone, uh, in part because of the trade to the Yankees. And uh, I believe the article was titled something to the effect of "Yankees Bet on Brandon McCarthy and XFIP. Um And it's just it's interesting. Uh, I hadn't even noticed this, but uh, someone in the chat brought this up with me a week and a half ago, maybe that uh, he was using his cutter more often and the Yankees had uh, wanted him to use it. And they uh, also talked about, it. I mean, this is something that they talked about. And then I found a couple of articles about, it. I mean, there's been, there's been a lot of literature in the New York media about Brandon McCarthy and it's understandable. He has a 20, 208 ERA and five starts for the Yankees. And that's a little unrealistic, uh, but it it's a nice balance to the ERA that he was putting up at the Diamondbacks, which was, I think, well over, uh, I mean, it was close to five. Uh, and the, obviously the peripheral numbers for McCarthy said it was to be something different because of the, just the components of it, the ground ball rate, the low walk rate, the high strikeout rate. Obviously we know that the velocity has increased this year because he's, uh, he's added some muscle and just everything set but now we might have a reason to think this also, by the way, goes just along with, I'd just like to point out and, uh, and kind of utter and reinforce my agreement with it, uh I I I with you know, I, I have some great doubt about the Diamondbacks organization and what in the hell they use to evaluate their players. But anyway, uh McCarthy mm-hmm. McCarthy suddenly may look like a more interesting player it's not just because of the results, but uh because we have some reasons for the results. Are you buying into any of this as far as the improved sequencing, especially in the more use of the cutter? And and it was a pitch that he used at times with Arizona, but I think it was more so uh, I mean now it's like a consistent part of his repertoire it's always a weapon and I think it's it's the I think it's more so the way he shows it.
1: Yeah, I mean actually what's funny is that uh over the course of his career um his uh uh the cutter has actually been the the, the second best pitch of of his repertoire. It's uh it has about 11% uh swing strike rate which is uh, uh the second best thing he's got. Um uh, right now, it's uh, the best thing he's got other than his four seamer, which is, is going 95 miles an hour and, and surprising everybody. So um, he's using that four seamer sparingly. He's using it um, as a, a sort of surprise pitch, and that's why it's getting 15% whiffs. It's not a, it's not something about the movement. Um, it's not if he threw the 95 mile an hour four seam more often, um, it would probably the whiffs would go down. Is what I've been guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he's thrown 510. Uh, curves with an 11% whiff rate. He's, he's thrown 280 cutters with a 9% whiff rate. Uh, that's actually, uh, along especially with the 95-mile-an-hour curveball, that's uh, pretty much the Garrett Richards package. Uh, Garrett Richards does throw the slider a lot and a lot more um, than McCarthy is, is throwing them right now. Uh, but uh, in terms of, of what you can do with that, I think uh, the curve has sort of a reverse platoon split. Uh, the cutter has your traditional platoon split. He's got the four seam and the sinker. That's actually four pitches. I think, you know, uh, you can search too long for a changeup, and uh, and 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 forget that there are other ways to succeed. And especially with the curve, the curve, a big roundhouse curve has a reverse platoon split. So he has uh, a weapon that he can use against lefties. And now with the cutter, um, he has a more traditional sort of breaking pitch. Um, it's it's everything he needs in terms of uh, uh, of a, a full package. Now, will he keep his velocity going to the future Um, next year? Will he keep it at 94-plus? I don't know. That seems a lot to ask of a guy that hasn't been throwing 94 for most of his career. But, um, you know, at 94-plus, the four-seamer is doing really well. The sinker is doing really well. And the cutter and curve give him a a change of eye level, change of velocity, um, and, and change of break. So I think he's got everything he needs right now to succeed. Um, who knows why they took the cutter away from? Him. Lots of organizations think the cutter takes away from your velocity. I think that would be an overblown concern with a veteran like McCarthy. Uh, I think you say whatever velocity you got, buddy, that's the one you got. <laughs> and, uh, and thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for working for us. Um, and uh, if they thought if they were looking at results um, and and thought you know oh you know he has an X Y Z batting average on balls in play um, uh, for the cutter. I have seen people do that, but that's not the type of results I prefer to look at. I prefer to look at like you, like anybody listening knows: whiff rate, ball rate, uh, ground ball rate. Um, I don't really want to start parsing things into uh, slugging percentage on contact. Uh, that seems like a, a stat that's full of noise um, and just full of of result based noise, defense based stuff. I, I don't really, I'm not that interested in that side. That's sort of stat.
0: Well, oh, I think there, I think there, uh, as far as, I mean, McCarthy goes, I mean, he's kind of, I don't want to say exempt from this, but just, yeah. I mean, like in a vacuum or, you know, for a particular player, but I mean, I think that to, I guess to some degree, and it, I mean, it kind of, maybe the only thing it really can, it uh, can tell you is that a pitcher is not really anywhere, he, anywhere where he needs to be in terms of, uh, understanding of, uh, you know, the method to pitching as opposed to just throwing. Um, but, um, yeah i agree there's there's a lot of potential noise in that stat. uh mccarthy is i mean he's he's a player i mean I, i've i've looked to acquire him in 12 team mixed league great start I, I put him in waiver wire a week ago because of kind of a similar these these reasons coming up i think he's he's become a lot more interesting again and i was skeptical what's going to happen he has two starts against detroit coming up Well, he had the He had the one uh, last night, Monday night. uh, He goes only five and two thirds innings, but strikes out eight. I think he gives up one run, one earned run, maybe. Uh, It was just, it was a really good outing. And, um, I mean, he's, again, he's, he's, the results have been a lot better. The Yankees say that this is the type of, they did a lot of extensive analysis about the, uh, the uses of his pitches and which ones they felt were not were being underutilized and, and and why and things like that. And this is what they hoped for and expected when they traded for him. And they gave up Vidal, Vidal freaking Nuno to get him. So <laughs> it was just mm-hmm. definitely a chance worth taking. it's interesting. I think this is a guy who sh- definitely should be owned in more leagues the rest of the way just to see how, how long this goes on. <clears throat> Vance Worley is another guy I just want to talk about real quick. I mean just – I mean, the results at this point are hard to argue with in the sense that he has 243 ERA in his eight starts, uh, keeps the walks down, uh, which is kind of a new thing for him, relatively speaking, at least in the major leagues. Strikeout rate, not uh, very exciting with, uh, I mean, it's around five and a half per nine innings. Uh, Ground ball rate, just under 50 percent. And the swinging strike rate doesn't suggest that the strikeout rate uh, is going to jump high anytime soon. I mean, it's that's around 14%. Um, uh, but, uh, basically an opportunity to talk about, uh, this was coming up in the, in local media there that, uh, Jim Benedict, who's kind of viewed as a pitching guru for the pirates. Uh, and is a guy who worked with Worley when he was in, co- when the player was in college, uh, is, uh, basically kind of fixed him worked back, worked his way back to some, I mean, Worley had some el- uh, minor elbow surgery a couple of years ago, well, about a year and a half ago. And, uh, had some things cleaned up in there and uh, they basically believe that his delivery was widely altered uh, from the time that he was in college and had some success there versus uh, what he has slowly become in the major leagues uh, as a professional, and particularly in the major leagues. Uh, Just curious. I mean, do you see anything in the pitch type peripherals or anything in his data that says like, this is not a guy who's going to put up a, a sub three ERA for the rest of the season or in any particular year, I think there's going to be some give back kind of like there was in that quote unquote breakout season for the Phillies when he ended up with an ERA of around four. But uh, is, there, is there, do you think there's some potential legitimately that legitimacy that were? I mean, the twins are like, Oh crap! we screwed that up again, but uh really I mean it's, <laughs> i mean Whirly. i mean is this is there's is there something here that says, ah, oh, you know maybe there's something to this guy as being a you know a, a legit kind of back of rotation replacement level pitcher at least and and uh occasionally a guy who can go through stretches like this and continue to do this or is this just another fluky thing for him
1: well uh, the whirly bird is a very interesting bird indeed the uh the, the thing that the magic that he had uh with the Phillies that always sort of confounded me was that he had these terrible swing strike rates and still had good strikeout rates yeah <laughs> and at that time he was he was doing it um a lot with uh called strikes and in particular he had this front door sinker situation especially against lefties uh, where he would he would basically throw the sinker at their front hip um and it would uh it would curve over uh, the strike zone. Um, and on the other side, I don't know if he had a cutter or I think maybe he did it with a slider where he did the same thing where he'd throw the slider at their hip, uh, at the righty's hip, and um, it would kind of make them bail out, and then it would, it would cut across the inside corner. Uh, so he had he had enough confidence and command in order to throw these pitches that he, doesn't, he wasn't getting looking to get a swing strike on, that he was looking to get a called strike on. Um, and it worked for a while, um, and I would say, you know, I guess it worked for one season. I don't know that that second season, you know, in two thousand twelve, it did start to fall apart a little bit. Uh, but even even then, he had a he had a better than league average strikeout rate with a five and a half uh, swinging strike rate. So um, even even that that two thousand twelve season, I was still sort of like, what is going on? <laughs> Then he went to the Twins and did exactly what I thought he was going to do all that time, um, and but there was also that injury uh, component, and now he he comes back to the Pirates and in Triple A. He had a, a strikeout rate over eight per nine, and he's really got that command nailed down, and that, that's the that's the only thing that makes me sort of scratch my head. If he does have that plus command back, then maybe he can start doing the things that he used to do um, in terms of. Uh, placing the pitch in an interesting uh, location uh, that can get him some called strikes and uh, some weak contact. But I mean, I know uh, I'm looking right now, but I I know I'm not going to like what I see when it comes to his pitch type peripherals. I mean, his slider gets 9% whiffs. That's way below average. Uh, But I guess the nice thing that you would say is his slider has a 22% ball rate and sliders are usually around 30 and 35%. Um, and it's four seam as a 27% ball rate, so he's really uh, he's really showing that command. I would uh, I would just take the projections. Um, in this case, I'll just take uh, the Zips projections. A four ERA, uh, not a great WHIP because he's going to allow a lot of balls in play. Uh, maybe you can take the under on that batting average on balls in play, which Zip says he's going to have a 318. I think you could say. Uh, more like a league average uh, rest of season uh, ball, uh, balls in play. So four ERA, one point three WHIP, six strikeouts per nine. Uh, basically, deep league fodder. But um, I mean, it, the the command is the only thing that makes me sort of scratch my head. I mean, if that's if that's legit and he's shown great command before, um, that could it could lead to sort of uh, a good extended hundred inning stretch uh, of good ball again.
0: Yeah. He's an interesting player, and he confounded me what he was with while he was with the Phillies as well. Uh, and I was a Phillies fan, so it was even. <laughs> uh, I still am a Phillies fan, um, but uh, anyway, <laughs> I just try not to admit well, that. Guys,
1: you're just you're just holding on for all, all hope, and you're just keeping those fingers crossed.
0: Correct, and I'm also just I, I don't admit that I'm a Phillies fan in public too often. <laughs> And one real quick uh, bef- thing before we, we head out of here, I uh, wanted to talk about uh, Jesse Hahn. This, that Bud Black said that uh, Jesse Hahn had between five and ten starts left in this season. That's pretty wide range. Uh, I think it's I think it sounds like there's a good chance um, that he's shut down by the beginning of September, say, roughly in there. I mean, doesn't sound like the the plan uh, is for them to necessarily let him play out the string or skip guys or, or, you know, let them get skipped every once in a while or anything like that. So I'm guessing it's going to be kind of a hard shutdown. And you know, what, is this, what does this say about Hans' fantasy value or what insight might you have into the rest of the situation?
1: Well, I, I just wanted to add that Jesse Hans told me he had 120 innings. That the team told him that at the beginning of the season that he had 120 innings in his arm this year. Uh, he's got 93, 120 uh, would be, uh, you know, another 30 start, another 30 innings. Uh, so that's your five starts. So I think he's definitely going to be on the – they're trying to make him sound like, oh, we're just going to watch you, whatever, five to ten. I think it's going to be five starts, um, maybe six starts, hard stop, you're out of there. He's, he's been hurt a lot. Uh, he's had a lot of surgeries. So I think that's what's going to happen with him. Uh, and, and, you know, that he didn't really mean to tell me that, I don't think. But uh, <laughs> he said 120 innings, so I'd watch that number. It's been a great story. It's been a great ride. It's been fun. And today's been fun. And thanks, you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, hopefully uh, the quality was all good and uh, I wasn't blowing my nose the whole time. So that's uh, that's a plus.
0: Yes, totally agreed, And that's it's fantastic, I think, for especially for Han uh, in future years, because, yeah, I mean, obviously with what he has shown this year, he is a really intriguing fantasy property in future years. As long as he continues to stay healthy. This has been episode number 150 of The Sleeper and the Bust. We thank you all very much for joining us, as always. And we look forward to more and uh, better technical quality shows uh, in the future, as this one, I think, was. Uh, Please tell us otherwise if it wasn't. But again, this has been The Sleeper and the Bust.